Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Kim Bollaby. Kim finished second in the GoBowling.com Viper Championship. Finished second to Ryan Simonelli, 237 to 231. Thought it'd be great to catch up with Kim and get an international perspective on the World Series of Bowling. So, Kim, Tim Berg here. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Well, Kim, I thought it'd be great to sit down and chat with you. Talk about, um, you know, your World Series of Bowling. You've bowled these in the past. You Mm -hmm. finished second to Ryan Simonelli in the Viper Championship. So let's talk about that. And, And really, what was your mindset going in? to the championship and to the tournament? Mm, to the qualifying or directly into the TV final? Yeah, to the TV final because they moved you guys from upstairs where you qualified to downstairs. So how were you attacking that and what were your thoughts as you had to make that transition downstairs? Mm, I got to say, it hooked a lot, a lot earlier than it did upstairs. Uh, and I got to say, it took me a while to get adjusted. Uh, had a little different ga- game plan, um, but still keeping it straight, s- straight to the front. Uh, I didn't feel like I could get the same reaction as upstairs. I felt like it got a bit cleaner upstairs and downstairs. I felt like it hooked, hooked a little bit earlier, and I got my ball to roll out a little bit more. I felt carry-wise, it was a little bit tougher. So did um, was that something, because that was a show that there was it was all four of you lefties. Was that something you guys were noticing all four of you were noticing during practice, or was it just something that you're like, wow, this is a little different than what it once was? Uh, all four of us. It felt like it was quite a defined, um, big difference, so I think everybody noticed it. So, Kim, much was made of that show because it was all lefties. Um, yeah. What do you think made it so that it seemed like lefties, I mean, I don't want to say they had the better look, but why do you think they seem to really have... The best look, at, uh, I don't know. I you know. I don't know how to word it, but how do they seem to have the best, um, 
the best on on the patterns out in Reno at the National Bowling Stadium? Mm, I've heard a lot of different discussion about why it became became like that, and a lot of people said it's because of the stadium that that it seems to have a pretty good look for lefties. So is that what your thought is? Is that how you feel? Yeah. I didn't necessarily think the pattern itself made it easy for lefties. Uh, I think it was more the characteristic of the bowling center that made it favor the lefties. You entered the the you know PBA record book by becoming the first player from Thailand to make yes. a PBA tour telecast. So what do you think it's going to mean for bowling when a bowler from the Far East actually wins a PBA event? We saw a lot of bowlers coming overseas and bowling, a lot of... People from China, Japan, the world, you know, the PBA World Cup is going on. What's that going to mean for bowling? Uh, I think it's going to be huge. Actually, the, the more countries that enters, the more, the bigger it's going to mean to win it. So, what parts of your game are you working on? Uh, me, I'm I'm working a lot about the swing alignment, swing alignment, and and pretty much the release, getting cleaner off it. When I'm moving too far, too far right, and I'm gonna open up a little bit, I feel like I'm, I don't get my swing directly in line, and I feel that's the important part. If you want to be, as many games as you bowl on the PBA tour, you want your ball to go in the same direction every time. So, what's the biggest difference for people bowling the World Ten Pin Association, the W uh, World Ten Pin events, versus the PBA? Wow, that's a quite a hard question i gotta say it feels like the top guys from the pba and the top guys from the from from the international ones are there are only quite a few but if you're going over to the states there's there's maybe 80 guys they're gonna bowl really well during the whole week and then you have the world world tour events you're gonna have about 20 30 the amount of high quality bowlers there on the tour it's just incredible and it's really hard to keep track of too when you when you're bowling your squad and you you're looking left and right and you see pretty much everybody bowling good so there's a big debate going on right now between who should be the pba player of the year jason belmonte or ryan simonelli do you have any thoughts on that that's a quite a tricky one i gotta say the i mean well, cases can be made for both, so yeah. uh, it's not <laughs> no real right or wrong answer. It's kind of you know what you've seen and what you've uh, when you've been bowling, and and even just how you think you know how you think it should even how the judging should be. Should it be more on on past performance, as in what we remember the later part of the year or earlier in the year? I've seen both discussions pretty much everywhere, and and discussions has gone on between ball reps on Facebooks and. I gotta say, it's even. It's really even. We'll talk about the run that Ryan Simonelli has been on from Vegas to the U.S. Open to Reno to the Viper uh, Championship. I mean, talk about a guy who seems to be just, I mean, just rolling the ball unbelievably well. Yeah. Yeah, He's he's been having an incredible, incredible year so far. And I gotta say, that's, that's the, you know, you see what what people have done the latest and and of course that that goes to mind that he's he's pretty close to becoming the player of the year and i gotta say becoming the next lefty that becomes player of the year i gotta say that's quite amazing and kim what um what 
transition and what challenges did you see on that Viper Championship when there were four lefties? Because usually a lot of times it's the opposite where it's, you know, three versus one where you guys kind of get your own side of the lane to to bowl on and to kind of worry about. And I'm sure you guys had to see much more transition than what you're used to. So how was everyone and how were you able to, you know, attack that and how did you work through that? Mm, often when, when I travel to the world, uh, Walter events and, and the Asian Tour event, uh, I'm usually the, the most dominant lefty with, when it comes to rev rate. And now I'm, I'm, I felt like I was the one that had the least rev rate. And everything happened way faster on TV and bowling with both Ryan and um, Butterworth, I felt like the transition happened like four times faster than I nor- normally would, would have done. Well, and Jacob was throwing urethane, if I remember correctly. So how did how did you guys, or did you even think about that? Is it just I'm going to watch my bowl and, and make the adjustments, or did you even think about you know what he was throwing and what that was going to possibly do to the lane? Yeah, every time, and especially people bowling with urethane, the carry down is is happening so fast. And I know the blue oil too that everybody talks about. It feels like it pushes down quicker. So yeah, so how hard is it to? to tape all these shows and to, to bowl this stuff and then have to come back three weeks and kind of keep under wraps what happened and how you did. And aside from saying you made this and you made that <laughs> to your country, that has to be kind of an interesting, uh, just the dynamic of how you have to handle all that. Yeah, that, that's quite hard. And especially uh, in Thailand right now where, where bowling is becoming really big and media wise, I mean, newspapers, TVs, I mean, bowling over here, it's quite huge. Yeah, talk about that because I hear from from the American players that travel overseas that they're almost treated, I mean, kind of like rock stars, I guess, is the only analogy. Is that the way you see it as well when you come back there and it's like everyone, you know, you're, you're noticed in airports and people are getting pictures and selfies with you. Is that the same thing that you're noticing? Same thing. Exactly the same thing. Because when we came from the Southeast Asian Championship, and one of our teammates had a had a gold, and w- directly when we landed on the airport, get got out of the security outside. It, it was the whole whole media. It was like a lot of new channels, TV, everything right outside. <laughs> and we what weren't you- allowed to go. We weren't allowed to go for an hour later or something like that. So what do you attribute that to? I mean. The best bowlers in the world can sit here on an airplane, and a couple people, hardcore fans, may notice them, but not uh, not like what you're saying. <laughs> I gotta say, Asia has a has a really big influence when it comes to a lot of games. When it comes to Asian games, Southeast Asian games, and I think those where a lot of sports are involved as well, not only bowling, and that's what I think becomes really huge. Yeah, so how bummed were you then when you found out the Olympics were, again, not going to be uh, picking bowling and as a sport? I got to say, it felt, it felt hard now having to wait another four years to have a, you know, have a possible chance again. And what was the reaction like, I guess, even for your country? I mean, because like you said, it's a big deal. So what was, was, could you notice even just in a, a general mood of, of sadness? Hmm. A little bit, I gotta say. We were we were expecting a little bit too. I'd say we were expecting it to come come in and 
and you know preparing for it and see what the federation would do um, and what the what the country itself would say hey this is this is gonna be this is the way we're gonna practice and this is this is the way we're gonna attack this but it felt like a big part disappeared a little bit well, Kim, do you feel that bowling gets dissed? I mean, because I've, I've been part of some of the, the talkings and what people are saying, and it always seems like the people representing bowling get snickered on when they go overseas and they meet with these people, and they're getting snickered on by people, you know, for, for arm wrestling and some of these, these things that, frankly, a lot of bowlers may snicker at. But do you feel that, I mean, why is bowling given such a bad rap? Hmm, I don't know. Actually, a lot of people say that, we're a beer drinking sport, but if you look at, at another part in Asia, no one even connects alcohol with bowling at all. So I can't really see why people get the stereotype that bowlers go and drink all the time. Well, yeah, how, what are some of the differences? Because that, you're right, that is one of the things here. People go out on their league nights. A lot of the listeners of this podcast may have a, a, a beverage while they're bowling their league and, and what have you, but what is the, the main difference in how you guys treat bowling over there, I guess probably even, frankly, in league versus how um, how it's treated over here? Yeah, the national team actually have, during off-seasons, we have practice four times a week, four hours, and then during the time that we're close to a championship, three or four months before, we have, we're having a coach and, and pretty much... Five times a week, four hours, and gym two times a week, and that make that's making sure ball reaction and and checking your game and all that stuff, making sure that we're we're off to go and always from the first minute we start, it's it's hundred percent serious, uh, making sure that the coaches is lining us up, breaking down patterns, everything. Just making sure we cover every, every asset that could have been, like, in, instead of failing, we can make sure that we make the cut. Or making making sure we cover our blind spots, basically. So when you travel and bowl over in Taiwan versus bowling over here, stateside, mm-hmm. what, are the different, what are the major differences that you see? Overall, I gotta say, a lot more oil. In, in Asia... I gotta say that it's a lot more. It also it's a lot drier than it is in the other part of the world. And Europe is it's kind of it's kind of medium. And then the, when I'm coming over to the states, it's a lot heavier volume of oil. So do you feel that then when you go back home and bowl, does that give you the advantage because you're able to, I guess, be more multidimensional and play on more different patterns and be more versatile as a bowler? Uh, I gotta say, I, I prefer more oil. I, gr- I grew up in, in Sweden where we had a lot of oil and I bowled a lot of longer patterns. And and I feel like that's always been like a preference. Well, Kim, I want to thank you for joining me tonight on the Above180.com podcast or morning time for you overseas. So um, mm-hmm. <laughs> appreciate everything and all the best of luck with uh with all your bowling and hope to see you more again on tv and uh, all the best thank you sir